There once was a farmer who lived in a village. Okay, the note says here, watch the time. Okay. All right, then I got 15, 15, 15. There once, there once was a farmer who lived in the village and also was a herder of sheep. One day he took his sheep out to the pasture, and while they were grazing, he heard a strange noise coming from a patch of grass, which first sounded like a kitten. Led by curiosity, the old shepherd went to see what the source of the insistent sound, and to his surprise, he found a lone, shivering lion cub, obviously separated from his family. His first thought was the danger he would be in if he stayed too close to the cub and the cub's parents were to return. So the old man quickly left the area and watched from a distance to see if the mother lion or the pack would return. However, after the sun began to set and there was still no activity to secure the lion cub, the shepherd decided that in his best judgment and for the safety and survival of the lion cub, he would take him to his farmhouse and care for him. Amen. He found a little cub. It's going to take him home. After the next eight months, the shepherd hand-fed this cub with fresh milk and kept him warm, safe, and secure in the protective confines of the farmhouse. After the cub had grown into a playful, energetic ball of shiny muscle, he would take him out daily with a sheep to gaze. The lion cub grew with the sheep and became a part of the herd. They accepted him as one of their own, and he acted like one of them. After 15 months had passed, the little cub had become an adolescent lion, but he acted, sounded, responded, and behaved just like one of the sheep. In essence, the lion had become a sheep by association. He had lost himself and became one of them. One hot day, four years later, the shepherd sat on a rock taking refuge in the slight shade of a leafless tree. He watched over his flock as they waded into the quiet, flowing water of a river to drink. The lion who thought he was a sheep, say lion thought he was a sheep, followed him to the water to drink. Suddenly, just across the river, there appeared out of the thick jungle bush a large beast that the lion cub have never seen before. The sheep panicked, and as if under a spell of some survival instinct, leaped out of the water and dashed towards the direction of the farm. They never stopped until they were safely huddled behind the fence of the pen. Strangely, the lion cub, who was a grown lion, was also huddled with him and stricken with fear. While the flock scrambled for safety of the farm, the beast made a sound that seemed to shake the whole forest. When he lifted his head above the grass, the shepherd could see that he held in his blood-drenched mouth the lifeless body of a lamb from his flock. The man knew that danger had returned to his part of the forest again. Seven days passed without further incident, and then while the flock grazed, the young lion went down to the river to drink. As he bent over the water, he suddenly panicked and ran wildly toward the farmhouse for safety. The sheep didn't run with him and wondered, why did he run? What's the matter with a lion? While the lion wondered why the sheep didn't run with him since he had seen the beast again. 
After a while, the young lion went back slowly to the flock and then to the water to drink again. Once more, he saw the beast in frozen panic. It was his own reflection in the water. While he tried to understand what he was seeing, suddenly the beast appeared out of the jungle again. The flock dashed with breakneck speed toward the farmhouse. But before the young lion could move, the beast stepped into the water towards him and made that deafening sound that filled the forest. For a moment, the young lion felt that his life was about to end. He realized that he saw not just one beast, but two, one in the water and one right before him. His head was spinning with confusion. The beast came within 10 feet of him and grounded him face to face with a frightening power in a way that seemed to tell him, try it, Rawr, try it, and come and follow me. As fear gripped the young lion, he decided to try to appease the beast and make the same sound. However, the only noise that came from his gapping jaws was the sound of a sheep. The beast responded with even a louder burst that said to him, try it again. After seven or eight attempts, the young lion suddenly heard himself make the same sound as the beast. He also felt stirrings in his body. He felt feelings that he'd never had known before. It was as if he started experiencing a total transformation in mind, body, and spirit. Suddenly, there stood in the river of the life two beasts growling at each and to each other. They were growling back and forth. The shepherd saw something he would never forget. As the beastly sounds filled the forest for miles around, the big beast stopped, turned his back on the young lion and started towards the forest. Then he passed and looked at the young lion one more time and growled as to say, you coming? <clears throat> the young lion now knew what the gesture meant and suddenly realized that his day of decision had arrived. Is he going to stay a sheep or be a lion? That day he would have to choose whether to continue to live like a sheep or to be the self he had just discovered. He knew that to become his true self, he would have to give up the safe, secure, predictable, and simple life of the farm and enter the frightening, wild, untamed, unpredictable, dangerous life of the jungle. It was a day to become true to himself and leave the false image of another life behind. It was an invitation to a sheep to become the king of the jungle. Most importantly, it was an invitation for the body of a lion to possess the spirit of a lion. After looking back and forth at the farm and the jungle a few times, the young lion turned his back on the farm and the sheep with whom he had lived for years, and he followed the beast into the forest to become who he had always been. Amen? That's a packed story, a potent story, and I don't think there's anything more thrilling and fulfilling than becoming who you were created to be who you really are a lot of us have become things by association amen think about it in our past we had become things that we were not created to be but we didn't know the truth you didn't know the truth and so things had told you this is who you are and this is what you're supposed to be but now there's somebody calling you and asking you to rise up and be who you're supposed to be. Are you going to answer that call? Are you going to decide to stay comfortable in your daily routine and who you always think you are? Are you going to allow the truth of God to reveal who you really are? Tell your neighbor the power's in the knowing. There's power in the knowing. If we can get Daniel 11:32, brother John, 
Daniel eleven thirty two. <clears throat> Tell your neighbor there's power in knowing. Daniel eleven thirty two. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. That's not the part I want to focus on, but it's funny how temptation is always flattering, right? It's always flattering. When you get flattered, you're about to get tempted. But it says, but the people that do know, their God shall be strong and do exploits. Production, do. Do produces. That comes out of who you are. And who you are comes out of what you know. Amen? It says there, those that know God. It doesn't say those that believe in God. Amen? It says people that know God. There's something about this order that we have to recognize. I don't know about you, but I ran with the flock that I became somebody due to association. Amen? But Today, I want to be everything that God had in mind when he created me. How about you? Do you want to be everything that God had in mind and purpose before you exited your mother's womb? You see, he had a plan before you. In creation, he didn't say, this is a hoodlum or this is a, a, a loose girl. This is a bad guy. He said, this is good. And when God created you and me, he had a great purpose. And I want to be that purpose. How about you? There's something to this order that I think is the key. The world will tell you that you're going to be recognized by what you do. It says that what you do will develop who you are. But this here tells me that who I am will produce what I do. It ain't the other way around. Your identity ain't by what you do. You do because of who you are. And who you are comes by what you know. So what we know, those that know God shall be. And then they shall do. There's something about this order that we need to ingrain in our minds and hearts. Amen? People that have a relationship with God, they're secure with God. They're settled in the relationship with God. You'd be even surprised if, they, if we knew the percentage of people that go to church every Sunday and during the week that are not settled in the relationship with God. Pastor Tony and I were talking right now about a lot of times we're trying to ask God, who am I with you and what is it you really want me to do? And we've been around. Pastor's been around, uh, I remember, 86, I think I met you, in, in Oakland Church. A long time. So it's normal if you think, who am I in Jesus Christ? And what is it you want me to do? Well, preferably tonight we get a little clarification. Amen? Should I keep going? There's a lot of people in the church house that aren't settled yet with who they are. They start thinking that maybe uh, uh, God don't love you. Huh? Amen? They, the, the love, they, a lot of people love the idea of God, but not necessarily the reality of God. We have unresolved issues with God. The other day I was talking to Pastor Esteban, and he brought out that people's uh, uh, thought of your earthly father will transmit into your vision or who you perceive our heavenly father as. And we take those issues into our perspectives, amen? And so we have to get settled in our relationship, 
Amen. You'd be surprised what people that will sing and shout and clap and not even convinced that God really loves them or likes them because our insecurities come into our walk with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Because many of us have been taught the kind of faith that is merited, a relationship, that you're only going to be loved by what you do. You're only going to get by what you do. The faith that we think that we have to earn God's love, that I haven't been doing enough for him to love me. Amen. In the back of your mind, you're not sure, have I paid the bill? Am I doing enough? Am I praying loud enough? Am I reading loud enough? Am I loving enough to be good enough for his love? And because we're not settled in the relationship with God, we're not able to work out the promises that he has for your and my life. Because we're not really sure when he's given us his promises, is he really talking to me? Have you ever heard when you're about ready to take a step for God and you're hearing him telling you, take a step, man. Move out and trust me. And you're hearing his voice telling you, I got you. I'm with you. You're my son. But yet you start wondering, is he really talking to me? Because um, I just did something wrong earlier today. Hello. He's not talking to me. There's another voice talking to you saying God don't love you. God don't care about you. If God really loves you, then why are you in the mess you're in? Why you live in that house that you're in? And why is your relationship like it is? There's all kinds of voices that have come at you that will tell you that you haven't done good enough for God or that God has not done good enough for you to let you know that he loves you. You see, the Bible, my friend, tells you that he does love you. No matter what you've done. Pastor Esteban did that when he threw a football with $100. I wanted to do that. I wanted to talk good like Eric. But God said, no, you're Greg. So I can't be you, Eric. <clears throat> and I can't give out $100, Pastor. If God really loves me, do you know your God? Do you know your God? Or do you just know church? Because most people know church better than we know God and if this scripture is understood correctly the prerequisite if we can leave it up John John please the prerequisite for greatness for doing big exploits is to know God that's the prerequisite it says know God people that do know their God shall now I know what all this scripture means I could break it down I read it left right and and everything else, I, I could break it down, but I'm not going to bring all that, 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 that stuff in here, the Hebrew and the Greek, to lose you. I'm trying to direct us to a relationship with God. Because everything, all of the whole Bible, only all that matters is God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants to have a loving, intimate relationship with you. He don't want us to know about him. He don't want us just to believe about him, but he wants us to know him. Amen? That's the whole Bible. And that, okay, I'm going to stop right there. I'll, I'll back up. You guys are looking at me crazy. My Lord. I'm going to play uh, spin the bottle here got your attention now see where it lands we got a couple brothers here from Dakota I don't want to front you guys off young homie alright and uh, Jesus I love you <laughs>
It's good you're here, brother. Amen. I don't know if you remember him, Matt. Remember him? All right. If we can go to Hebrews 8 and 9, or Hebrews um, 8, 6. I'm just going to mention another verse that says no. There's a lot of verses in the Bible that say no. You got Romans 8, 28, and that says what? For we know that. You see, and there's power in knowing. And then if you read the next verse, that it says that all things work for good for those that love Christ, right? But the good he breaks down in verse 29. And what's good of God is that we allow him to develop us into his image. It's funny because we were created in his image, and now he's trying to bring us back to his image. Amen? It's like, why we got to come back? Well, maybe we got off track. Hello? Maybe we got off track and got lost, and now we got to get found and get back on track. Amen? You see, the world might have told us who we were while we're off track, but we were lost. If you weren't lost, you weren't off track. But if you were lost, you got off track. And now God has got our hand and brought us back on track. Now we got to let him tell us who we are. And see, also in the Old Testament, they were off track. They had a covenant that could not work. And so a new covenant had to be brought out, one that works. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hebrews 8, verses 6 through says this in Hebrews 8 6 it says Christ's ministry the ministry term there means more excellent and that word is deferatarius which means simply not better but it means superior and if you study the book of Hebrews he's always trying to show his flock okay that Jesus Christ is far better than anything else amen the purpose of Pastor Esteban and this pulpit and any leadership or the Bible is to teach you that whatever method or way that you've tried in your past, that Jesus Christ is better. And as a preacher of the book of Hebrews or the writer of Hebrews was trying to let his flock know was how good Jesus Christ is. That Jesus Christ is above greater than anything else and that he desires a relationship with you. Amen. And he says there that he's excellent, and upon this even more excellent than any ministry founded, and that is upon better promises. Amen? Now, the verb here is strongly legal. You can see he's presenting a case with his congregation. I'm trying to present a case with you here today that whatever you might think is valuable, Whatever you might think is worth your life or that you, you put your heart after, like Pastor Esteban was mentioning, when you give your tithes or your heart is going after, tell your neighbor that God looks at your heart. It's the deepest desires in your heart that God looks at, and he wants to know where you're setting your heart at. And right there, he's telling you that there's promises. And what are the better promises? He's going with a long quotation after that in verses 8 and 9 that quote Jeremiah in which the new covenant was promised. There is a new covenant because we needed a new covenant. We needed a second covenant because there was faults in the first one. There was faults in the old covenant. There was 
two faults. First, the old covenant could not forgive us our sins and bring, them in, and bring us into the relationship with God. And second, the Israelites had broken the first covenant by the rebellion mentioned above in Jeremiah. Now, what does this covenant look like? This new covenant. Jeremiah gives us three distinctive characteristics of this new covenant. It meets the deepest desire design into all of our hearts that humanity, by the very creative act of God, having created humanity for himself. What did I just say? There's a spot in your and my heart. There's a spot in your and my heart. God created you, and there's a spot in your heart that produces desire. And God looks at that spot, and he wants that spot to be for him. He desires a relationship with us. But that old covenant did not allow us to enter that area. But this new covenant allows us to develop and build a relationship with Jesus Christ like he wants. Amen? And in other words, we have to know God if we're going to become who we're supposed to be. And you got to know that God desires to have a relationship with you tonight. God desires to have a personal relationship with you every day. God desires to have a personal relationship with you all day. God wants to talk to you when you wake up. God wants to talk to you when you go to bed. God wants to talk to you while you're driving your car and you're about to get mad on the road or at work or when you're dealing with your kids and your spouse. God wants to have you knowing that he's right there next to you at all times. I'm going to try to speed on through this if I may. You get to verse 8, verse 11, and there's assurances. There's a knowing. And there's two kinds of knowings. One is having a knowledge of, and then we know the other one is like having a sexual intimacy with a person. I'm talking with your wife. Okay? Not sex. I'm talking about intimacy with your wife. When you give each other to each other and you get to know one another, you get to know each other so well that you know that you could depend on each other. Hello. That's the kind of knowing that God desires with you and I. He wants us to have a deep, intimate relationship. He don't want us just to know about him, but he wants us to know him. In the chapter, in verse 13, it ends with, and that says a new covenant he's made first obsolete and now is becoming obsolete. What does that mean, church? That means that the first covenant only got us to where it had to get us to. Like, if you go somewhere and you ask somebody, hey, can you show me how to get to this place? I'll give you $50. And it got you there. Then when you got there, you pay them and you say, okay, I don't need you no more. Well, the first covenant God is here, but we don't need it no more. Tell your neighbor, we don't need the old covenant anymore. What we have is a new covenant where we get to walk into this relationship with God. I have uh, electronic devices today that's a trip, man. I remember when pagers came out. Remember, you, you were all cool, remember? Oh, it's 911. <laughs> I got to go, Holmes, right? 
Okay, you got your big old block phone. You thought you were, you, you, you know what I mean? You thought you were a big old bag of chips and, and all that. Yet, if you, if you wanted to do some research, you still had to go to the library, okay? If you wanted to do this and that, you still had to put some work in. Now you got phones that you don't need a library. You, don't, you got Google. You know, you got Kindle books. You got navigation. It do, it, everything has been updated. You don't need that brick phone no more. You don't need that pager no more. Amen? And we don't need the Old Testament. No, no, no. Hold on. I'm going to get killed here. I'm going to get killed here. The whole book makes one book. We need the Old Testament. But the covenant, I know, I know. <laughs> Amen. Woo! We need the whole Bible. We need the whole Bible. Yes, indeed. Matter of fact, we should go back to the Old Testament. Everybody bring your animals and your money. If not, we're going to be selling them in the fellowship home. <laughs> Tell your neighbor we need everything in the Bible. But the Old Covenant. Thank God for the New Covenant. Amen. Pastor Stevens brought out many times on how Jesus Christ explained how he had a, a new yoke, a way of dividing the word and the old yoke by the law. Okay, that never produced life, but this new yoke, this new covenant produces life. Amen? And so I'm going to tell you a story here. Uh, everybody knows my son, Matt. That was a great-looking guy here doing the announcements. And all I got to say is I thank God that he looks like his mom. And I would, I would put him anywhere I was, and Matt was, I'd, I'd put, if there was a ledge here, just so, you know, about six inches, eight inches, whatever, I'd stand him up on it. And a lot of people would panic, like, he's going to fall on that, but they never would see nothing like this. And I'd walk way out here and tell him to jump. And, and he would jump. He would dive. <laughs> right into my arms, right? Sounds crazy, huh? You know what I mean? But he knew that I'd catch him. You see what I mean? I, I, I never dropped him. You know what I mean? I'd fall catching him if I had to. He knew that I'd get hurt catching him, but he knew I wasn't going to let him go. So he would jump, and he knew I'd catch him. Amen? You see, a lot of times I look at him today, and I'm wondering that perhaps that's why he's a good man today, Okay? It's because there's stuff in him that had to be instilled, that had to be put in him. And today as we study uh, uh, raising kids and, and families, there's a, a, a thing that we know or psychologists know that they're trying to teach parents that you have to instill something in your children. If you want them to have a healthy life and be able to handle all the curves and challenges and and, and obstacles that you're going to face in life, that there's something that is a must, that's imperative, that you have to instill into them, that gives them security, that gives them something, some kind of ground where they can feel free to study and be somebody. And that's that both parents love them, that both parents love them, and that both parents will do anything they have to do to meet their common basic needs. Huh? And that gives the, the kid security to where when he has life's challenges, it faces them with confidence. Hello? And kids that don't have this uh, basics instilled into them, 
they're not going to face life challenges in a healthy manner. Right? Am I wrong, Val? Okay? And so the same thing with Christian children. There's stuff that we have to know that's going to have us face challenges, that's going to have us face trials, that's going to have us face obstacles in a healthy Christian manner. And if you don't know these things, you're going to want to run. You're not going to want to get up in the morning. You're not going to want to come to church. You're going to lose your your praise in the daytime. You're not going to read your Bible. You're not going to call folks that you need to call. Why? Because you don't have this deep in your heart knowledge that God got your back, that God ain't going to let you fall that when God calls you forward baby he's got you he's not going to let you fall if God's calling you to do something that you're able to do it if God's telling you to do something you can do it if God's asking you to go the extra mile it's because you can but you can't unless inside of you you know something about God and if you know something about God and then you will be strong And you'll do exploits. But if you don't know God, then you won't be strong. And then you won't do. You see, fear produces also. If you're afraid, you're going to produce not what God wants. You see, who here has ever got drunk? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I do 12 steps. <laughs> Did you ever do something that you wouldn't normally done if you weren't drunk? Huh? There's something that comes with the knowledge of God, of knowing God. There's a power that comes, man, when you know God, baby. There's something that just happens to you when you know God. You ain't going to just, all of a sudden, you're going to do stuff that you would not done if you didn't know it. All of a sudden, man, you're going to feel just stirring come around in your heart. You're going to feel changes come off. You're going to find this awakening happening inside of you. You're going to find out that you're really somebody, that you're not who you thought you were all the time, and you're going to hit this Eureka syndrome of discovery and find out who you really are in Jesus Christ. You're going to find out who God had in mind when he created you. And all of a sudden, man, you're going to start seeing purpose and in front of you that has no value like your other values and you're going to start seeing different things and you're going to want to start acting differently you're going to start doing things differently why because you're becoming somebody different tell your neighbor there's power in knowing no longer do we have to try to live a life to satisfy others huh I'm going to do this and I'm going to sing loud. That way they think I'm really spiritual. Huh? I'm going to wear all these fancy clothes. That way they, they think I'm somebody. Huh? Our identity comes with a Gucci or a coach. I'm going to be careful with that word, Pastor. I'm sorry. Huh? All of a sudden, our identities come with all these other things. No. Our identity comes from knowing God. That's the only place our identity comes from. Not on how our neighbor looks at us. Not on the value your boss gives you. Not on anything else, man. But it comes when you know God. All of a sudden, you'll get a security in your heart. 
You'll get a peace past any understanding. You won't understand it, but there'll be all kinds of stuff happening around you. There'll be turmoil happening around you. There'll be situations in your life, man, that, that are happening that you used to with panic, but now you're cool. You have a calm. Why? Why would you have this calm? Because there's a God right there letting you know that everything's going to be all right. There is going to be all right. No matter what, it's going to be all right. If I don't get this job, there's a better job. If I lose this house, there's a better house. There's something greater around the corner. And no matter what, man, there ain't nothing this world has to offer me that can come greater than knowing you, God. That's what comes with an intimate relationship with God, with knowing him. Somebody say, I want to get to know him. You see, we got to return, and then we got to receive. And receiving is a constant thing that we have to do. You have to receive every day. I didn't want to really be here today. I wanted to be elsewhere. You know what I mean? And <laughs> it was funny. God, God ain't no joke, man. God's got a sense of humor. I was driving up Patrick, and I said, man, God... Man, God, he said, just do it. And that's really the message. You know what I mean? Just trust him. And that's the message. Just go out there and do your thing. Go out there and talk for me. I've appointed you. I've anointed you. I've called you. I've chosen you. I've set you aside, man. You got to know that if you jump, I'm going to catch you. That's what you're talking about, Gregory. So go out there and take a leap. I got you, baby. Tell the church that I love them. Tell the church that there's nothing else about Christianity. It ain't saying this prayer. It ain't singing a song this way. It ain't driving a fancy car. It ain't showing an hour early. It ain't none of that. It's a relationship with God. That's everything. Everything will stem from that. Everything will be produced from that. Don't try to serve your way into heaven. Get to know Jesus Christ personally. Get to know God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And how do you get to know God? The Word. The Word of God. Study your Word. You see, there's no longer have to be teaching, it says. You know why? Because now it's available to you and me to come before him and learn. You start reading the Bible. Peter walked with Jesus Christ, amen? Did Peter walk with Jesus Christ? For like three years. And then Jesus asked, who they say I am, Peter? And Peter mouths all kinds of stuff. You know, he's, he's, he's being accountable. <laughs> then he tells him who he thinks he is. And Jesus tells him, that was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father. That's called Rima, amen? So you read the word, and you got to hear the word. And you got to hear the word by communicating with God. You got to spend time with God. An intimate relationship has communication. A dialogue, two-way street again, right? And when you're communicating with God, he's going to show you things. He's going to reveal things to you that you're not going to know just coming to church. We got to get to know God, and then he's going to start revealing things to you. He's going to start showing things to you that's going to tell you who you really are. 
And during that knowledge and awakening, just like that lion started, things started stirring up in him, all of a sudden, you're going to try different things. At first, you might still sound like a, a lamb or like your old self. At first, you still might look like you're still in Egypt, but you're taking steps. Little by little, all of a sudden, rawr! You're going to start sounding like the real deal. You're going to start walking like the real deal, like the person, but it takes practice. Pastor, Pastor that was a good message Sunday. That was a good message Sunday, amen? Come on, do I, am I going to hang on the leg by myself? That was, a, that was a good message. That was a good message. But he said you have to go to the gym, and you got to practice, and you got to work out. You got to keep trying to get to know God. Remember when you went after a girl or a boy? Oh, all of a sudden, not me, Pastor. I was always playing with dollies till I was 45 years old. You know what I mean? I, was, I celebrate. This is my first one, huh, huh? <laughs> if you didn't hit right away, what'd you do? You kept trying, right? You kept trying. God wants us to seek him with all our heart. And when you get a hold of him, he's going to show you things. He's going to show you things, man. All of a sudden, you're going to get built up. All of a sudden, you're going to deal with sin differently. All of a sudden, you're going to be enriched greatly. All of a sudden, if you keep it up, you're going to receive answers to your prayers. You're going to become fruitful, and your testimony is going to change. And then all of a sudden, you're going to find yourself a light of the world. It says that in verse 28, and, and, and that we shall have God's smile upon our life. Amen? The thing is that you have to know there's no magic formula. When you read the Bible, there's two different things that they call theological, theological, and experiential, okay? What I'm talking about is the experiential, okay? When you get a hold of God, we want to experience God. We don't want to know God. We don't want to know about him, right? You know what I mean? The devil knows about him. The devil believes. God don't want us just to believe about God. But what he wants us to do is to know him. He wants us to experience his love. He wants you to experience his forgiving power. That he knows everything about you, everything that you've done, and he loves you the same. That way, when you start thinking you have to do this and that to earn his love, you'll start being more confident and no, you don't because you know he loves you no matter what. You don't earn his love and you don't lose his love. And that gives you security. You see? That gives you security. And you need to experience God tonight if you haven't. And if you have, and then what has to happen is we start hearing his voice. Now, there's two things that happen when you hear his voice. What are they? You can obey or you can reject it. You can accept it or you can reject it. You can obey it or you can reject it. I don't know how many times somebody will do something that uh, I get tested on and it can be where I receive it as disrespectful. And I'll hear a voice that will say, love him, right? But then I have a choice if I love him or if I go ahead and let my flesh talk to me. Amen? And so if I'm secure in God, I don't have to worry what anybody else is going to think. You see? 
My flesh is scared what people might think. You see, I got things backwards and twisted again, don't I? You see, we're not who we think people that, that people see. We're not, we're not defined by what we do. We're defined by who we are. And that produces what we do. And I'll be nervous what people are going to think I am if I let that guy talk to me like that. You see? So I think I have to do this. That way you think I'm this and don't think I'm a punk. Huh? All right? But you see, Jesus Christ says, listen to me and I got you. And love that guy. And what happens when you love that guy? Huh? I'm going to tell you what people respect, man. That you're real. Huh? They don't really care if you fight or can't fight. They don't really care. But if they see that you're standing up for God and that you're real. Was Jesus Christ a punk? Did he die for your sins? Huh? Everybody thought bad about him. Yet he lived humbly. And that's what God will tell you to do. But you can't do it in the natural mind. It could only be done in the spiritual realm. You have to know God personally, brothers and sisters, to live in this manner, to answer the call on your life, to do great exploits. You have to live in the spirit when you know God and you're walking with God and you're talking with God and you're communicating with God. What you have to do is like when you got three radio stations playing at the same time, you got to tune the other ones out and you got to tune him in and you got to listen to his voice and you got to hear his voice and you got to let his voice do what it's supposed to do, encourage you, strengthen you, tell you who you are, and then when you know who you are, all of a sudden, you're ready to step out and do stuff that you never would do if you still thought you were somebody else. But you're not somebody else. You're a child of God. God loves you. That's who you are. You're a lamb of God. You're the pride of God. You're the church. You're the crown of God. You're the prince. You're the, you're the bride of Jesus Christ. That's who you are and what happens when we know this we're going to act differently when you knew that you loved your spouse all of a sudden didn't you treat her or him differently when you know that you love your child don't you treat them differently when you know how much God loves you and you start becoming somebody that he created you start doing and being something else do you want victory in your life do you want to answer the call in your life and do you want to be everything that God called you to be then there's these three things. You got to know God. Allow that knowledge to produce who you are or bring you back to who you were really created for. And then that's going to make you do stuff. You see? Why does Brother Eric do what he's doing? Huh? Why? That's who he is. Right? And, and if he sees somebody else not being that, he gets mad. Don't you hear the truth? How come you're not like that? It's, it's simple, but it ain't. You know, some of us have a habit of listening to lies. And some of us have a habit of thinking that we're somebody else because so long we've been beat down and so long we've been lied to and so long we lived according to how the world sees us. But we need the word of God to start coming inside of your heart and loving on you. You need the, the love of God to come in and start loving on you and hearing his voice telling you and calling you by your, your own name. 
He starts letting you know everything. Everything that you think is stopping him from loving you, he'll show you that he knows it all, and yet he loves you. When you experience him, you're going to know that he knows everything and that you're not bad in his eyes, and that you're not a failure in his eyes. That's not who you are in the eyes of God. And we need to experience that awakening with God and let him reveal to you who you really are. Then you'll become that. <laughs> and then you'll do that. You don't become it by doing. You do it because you are. Amen? With that, if you'll stand. I was asking God, because this was a... I didn't want to talk about this. I really didn't. I had something else. And I didn't know how to deliver this. I really didn't. And I didn't know how to formulate it. But the whole message that I heard, that I know he wants every one of us to know, is that he loves you. That he loves you. And he wants you to know him. He wants your heart open. He wants you to open your heart all the way to know that there's a dad that loves you, a protector that's not going to hurt you, a provider that's going to meet all your basic needs, somebody that has great plans for you, that will comfort you through your day. That will advise you in relationships and business affairs. Everything that gives us trouble, he wants to be there for you. He wants to be that dad that instills inside of you that security of knowing that you have a loving father. I'm going to open up these altars tonight. This is an altar call that I need to make. This is an altar call that I need to make. I'm guilty. I still live a lot thinking I'm somebody else or unsure. But when I get a hold of God, when I'm in the presence of God, all of a sudden, everything is cool. Everything's peaceful. Everything is assured. And I'm confident. When I'm listening to other voices, all of a sudden, my insecurities come back. You see, I knew who I was in the world. But outside the world, I don't have a clue. I'm very scared to be around straight folks. Squares. I feel so out of place. But when I'm in the presence of God, I feel comfortable with whoever I'm with. I talk to lawyers, judges, doctors businessmen I have confidence when I'm in the presence of God I believe each one of us need to make this altar call maybe not but if we want to know God and if we want to know who we are in God I believe he's here tonight I believe he wants every one of us to know how much he loves you he wants every one of us to know who we are in Christ he don't want us to be sitting in church insecure. He don't want us to be 
at work and not be bold to preach the gospel. He wants you to know who you are. Not be afraid that he might tell you you have a call on your life. Because you know wherever he wants to send you, he's going to be with you. This is what he wants you to know. Don't be worried about all that. Just get to know God tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. If this message mean anything, the altar's open. The altar's open. The altar's open.